Good Tuesday evening. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy, KG, joined by the man, none other than the boss, BJ, who keeps the lights on, keeps us in furniture, pays the guys in the truck, have been paying them very handsomely, and he has his Sideline Junkies t-shirt on. Nice. Also, we have the incomparable, the undefeated, the unimaginable, the immovable object, the irresistible force, Bianca Belair lover, the midnight ride. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that last night. <laughs> oh man, I always, I always appreciate Bianca Belair. Like she is my girl, man. She, she, I, I, I could go I on forgot, and on you about got, her. You got a power twenty-five. You got a coach's pole. Uh, it's about a good fifteen. I ain't gonna say twenty-five. But how you fellas feeling tonight? Good, good, man. Good, absolutely great, man. That is good, man. Um, unfortunately, we have to start this show off on a somber note. Um, news came down today that the great Willis Reed has passed away. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Willis Reed, New York Knicks big man center, um. Unfortunately, he's most famous for what was that game two in the first championship? Hold on, let me make sure I got that right. NBA Finals. Some of the one where he walks out, out. Yep. And he hit the first two shots, and then he didn't play anymore for the rest of the game. That's what he's most famous for to our generation. Because that's what we knew him for, but you you get older and you know him for more. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, um, one of the best centers to ever play the game. Six foot ten, out of Grambling State, second round pick by the New York Knicks. Had a ten year playing career, um, from sixty four to seventy four. He even coached the Knicks in seventy seven, seventy eight. He coached at Creighton. He was an assistant for the Atlanta Hawks, and the Sacramento Kings, and he coached the New Jersey Nets in 88 and 89. He also was an executive for the New Jersey Nets when they ran to the finals back-to-back years. So uh, two-time champion, excuse me, two-time finals MVP, most valuable player, seven-time NBA All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, NBA, All-NBA first team, all NBA second team four times, all defensive team, rookie of the year, all rookie team, 50th and 75th anniversary team, and his number 19 is retired by the Knicks. He averaged 18 and 12. Uh, damn, he he better be a Hall of Fame. I mean, this should be, I don't see Hall of Fame on this list. Wait a minute. Willis Reed is a Hall of Famer. Yes, basketball is it's not lit up. Yeah, basketball it's not lit. Normally it's lit up gold on uh on uh Wikipedia, but it's not lit up gold. Basketball Hall of Fame as a player and the college basketball hall of fame in, in 2006. Um I know this may not be a hundred percent our generation, gentlemen, but uh your thoughts on one Willis Reed. 
Well, well, I mean, I mean, I think it's part of what you just talked about. I mean, it's the stories, it's the coming out of locker room, finishing the game. Um, I remember him with the Hawks because I think he was the Hawks when Tree Rollins was there. So I thought they were like brothers or cousins or whatever because they looked alike or they seemed like it. Um, wasn't he a head coach at one point too in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Yep. Who did he coach? Hey, the New Jersey Nets. He coached the Knicks somebody- for a little bit too. Who else? He coached the Knicks as well. Okay, that's what it was. All right. So yeah, I remember those stretches. Um, and then after that, it was just he was just always kind of like the legacy guy between um that got you to Patrick Ewan. Like it was kind of like he was it was him, then it was Patrick. So if you were like on the Knicks lineage of um centers, that's kind of how that process went. But I think he was always around the game, he was a contributor, solid contributor. Um, the fact you said he coached Creighton kind of caught me off guard, but he definitely had to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, that Knicks team was kind of stacked. With didn't they have? Wasn't that Monroe and um, company? Uh, second championship was Earl the Pearl because you know they got him okay. for the bullets for that second okay. championship. Uh, and there's guys first... like Dave the Busher, Tom Bradley, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool. got, got I got to no go to my historian because, you know. Well, those are guys that never get no shine either. You know, fallback baby, Dick Barnett was on that team. You know why they called him that. I, ain't, I, I, I Go ahead, B. I'll tell that story later. No, I was going to say that's what this new generation called the plumbers and the electricians. That's why they don't get no play. But um, legends will never die. And I'll say this, you know, off of what I just said, it's just – one of those things you got to teach your kids the history and Willis Reed, you know, part of that NBA history. And, um, you know, the things he did for the Knicks and the NBA won't be forgotten. Uh, definitely rest in peace. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, you're losing a lot of legends getting older. It's just crazy all across the board with uh, all the sports. So definitely hard to see them go because they were, you know, well, they, Willis Reed wasn't a big part of my childhood, but you know, your childhood idols, you know what I'm saying? You were watching them pass away, and it's like, man, you're sitting, you could, you know, the people that watch Willis Reed, they can they can remember where they were when he walked back out, you know, to the core. They can remember where they were when the Knicks won a championship. It's things you don't forget. So you gotta cherish those memories and you gotta, you know, you gotta live like it is no tomorrow, man. You gotta enjoy this stuff, man. It's not guaranteed. So rest in peace to the legend, though, man. Agreed. Agreed. And I will say this. Working for ESPN Zone, we remember uh, if you play, if anybody ever been to NBA tonight at uh, ESPN Zone, you had to, where the most iconic shots took place in uh, in basketball. You had Jordan's corner jumper, um, Magic's hook in the lane, Jordan's final shot. Um, Willis Reed, where he took his his first shot in uh, that game in, in 70. You had those. So you had to know those moments because those moments were drilled into us. And Midnight Rider said something about those, uh, those excuse me, those Nick teams. You know, they had uh, Willis Reed and Phil Jackson was on that 70 team as well. Walt Clyde Frazier, Dave DeBusha, Bill, uh, Bill Bradley. And like I said, Dick Barnett, fallback baby. They called him that because when he shot the ball, all he said was fall back. You ain't got to go for no rebound because it was all money. 
another dude with a with a vicious shot that never really he never gets the the, the talk when you when you when you when you talk about uh great players but uh willis reed not only what he did as a player but what he meant to the nba community and um and perry checking in new york nick fan rip to the captain indeed what he meant to the knicks what he meant to that area what he meant to the 70s period and what he did with that that next generation you know you can't replace that and i think about it i mean look at the legends that we've lost in just a year's time you know you lost bill russell we lost uh bob lanier you know now we lose willis reed it's like guys that i've read about and watched film on you know now they're starting to pass away because they're getting older uh rest in peace to willis reed um man running uh to the next topic sweet 16 is up and what's crazy <laughs> uh, my bracket's busted i don't know about everybody else's but my what bracket brackets? <laughs> you don't see y'all act like i didn't do a bracket why y'all doing me dirty man what, what bracket are you talking about my cbs bracket when i go on cbs i see bj's bracket yeah i mean i see midnight rider i don't i just don't see i mean i see the team name you know sideline junkies private pool right but i, I just don't so y'all really see, don't see my bracket i'm about to i'm i'm, I'm about to send you a screenshot you're not Lord, you're geez. not in this you're not in this yeah you're not mm -mm. you're not a part of the team man Oh wow! After you encourage everybody to go on, no use. That that that's no good. Okay. Well, it's uh, like that. I, I, I do switching ESPN where somehow magically your picks didn't go through. It wasn't. You know what? We're not gonna do this. We're not gonna do this. <laughs> and he's absolutely correct. My picks are not even in there. What the fuck? <sighs> like it's like he didn't. It. You you did your picks in a parallel universe. It always feels like that. When, when you're the, in the parallel universe, you're the small guy, KG. <laughs> you're like five eight. That's what you did your picks in. Oh man, y'all always giving me a hard time. But however, um, looking at this Sweet Sixteen, Alabama versus San Diego. Houston versus Miami, Xavier versus Texas. Uh, I think the closest thing we have to a Deborah Cox matchup is Creighton versus Princeton because nobody had them being there. Um, Tennessee versus Florida Atlantic, Kansas State versus Michigan State, UCLA versus Gonzaga, and finally UConn versus Arkansas. Uh, gentlemen, I know probably a lot of these teams are a surprise, but out of the 16 teams left, and I, I know this is for you, Midnight Rider. Is Alabama still your favorite? And BJ, who is your favorite running into this uh, Sweet 16 weekend? So, yeah, um, it's still Alabama. The only difference now is Alabama has to beat Michigan State because, you know, the Tom Izzo factor is in play now. So um, the only thing that really makes me change is take it, it makes me take Kansas State out of the fold like I had them before because – Michigan State's playing some really good ball right now, and they look like they have one of those runs where they want to get to the Final Four to make things happen. So um, that's that. I think 
the the team that surprised me was Arkansas because Arkansas looked like an old Arkansas team where they got after it, they defended, they extended the defense. Um, I didn't ex- I expected Kansas to lose, uh, so it didn't matter who they lost to. But yeah, Arkansas impressed me um, when I was watching that ball game. Well, I need Miami to win because that's that's the only thing keeping my bracket together. But um, uh, I'm like I'm like the Midnight Rider. I was um, I remember those old Arkansas teams when I was watching them play, and they were getting they were getting they are they are they're really good. Um, um, but if I had to pick one team that I'm leaning towards. Uh man, it might it's probably gonna have to be Alabama. Because uh, they proved they proved to Maryland that they weren't on their level. Um, so I mean it, the, the tests for them are gonna come uh stronger than Maryland, of course, in the next, you know, round and well this this coming round and the sweet sixteen the next round. But I think they handled their matchup in the sweet sixteen. Um, and then, like, like, like the Midnight Riders say, you got the Tom Izzo factor. They're so well coached, and it just seems like Tom Izzo, Michigan State. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they're the favorite. Sometimes they just come out of nowhere and make a run, and they become the strongest team. They become the, four, the team you have to beat. So, but I'm gonna lean on Alabama. I hate to do it because they beat my Terps, but I'm gonna lean on Alabama. I'm I'm gonna go a, a little different, and I'm I'm gonna lean actually on Princeton. I got Princeton going at least to the Final Four. I don't know why, but my wife, the only person I know that had Princeton going this far, don't know what she saw, don't know how she did it, but damn it, it's there. Um, Princeton is my favorite now to see how far they can go. Uh. UConn so Carrillo visiting small guy KG in the alternate universe and whispering <laughs> sweet nothings in your ear. Is that what's going on? Hey, look, my thing is that the, that offense is unstoppable, man. It's always it always has been. It always has been unstoppable. I will say that. So I, I just I don't know, man. I'm just I'm 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 rolling with Princeton. I got to. It's it's probably the closest I'll get to JT three Georgetown. So there's that. Don't shake your head like that, man. I, I'm allowed to live in the moment sometimes. Are you are you setting up the next segment? Yeah, I'm getting re- I'm getting ready to. I was trying to get to the women's one, uh, but somebody said something. I was watching. Um, what's her name? Monica McNutt on uh espn was it yesterday or was it monday yeah yesterday was monday i was watching her yesterday and she was talking about the only person that could only team that could probably dethrone south carolina in the women's tournament was stanford but stanford got their butts kicked they're done it's maryland and you, yeah well the, if the way i got that bracket set up i got them meeting in the final four maryland's the only and, team that can because when they played Maryland early in the season, um, Maryland was probably a shell of this, the team that they are right now. So watching Maryland play, I think Maryland's going to be able to give them a ball game 
more than they expected. And I think the other factor they're going to have is because the way South Carolina handled them early in the season, they might come in with a little extra confidence, a little overconfidence, um, and that might have a bigger effect on the ball game because um, you knew one of the number ones on the women's side was going to go down. So you just had to figure out who it was. And then once Stanford lost, kind of played itself out. Um, and, you know, UConn's still going to be dangerous with the shooters. So it's going to be interesting. Well. And then who beat Texas last night? Was that Louisville? I don't know. I, I missed I that. I missed that. that. No, nah, because there's a scene at the end of the ball game where they're going to tap hands or, you know, how you do the post game mm-hmm. and there was a little confrontation. I want to say it was Louisville and Texas. And, I mean, of course, Coach Sidney Carter, um, need I say more. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it uh, was Louisville and Texas. Yeah. And Louisville girl, I think, did a good job of, like, not being caught up in the moment, not letting whatever – the, the 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 conversation was that the girl was trying to do um affect her and affect the um the post game so I, I really did like that but she said after the game it was all in the heat of the moment it, it wasn't nothing just leave it at that it was just all in the heat of the moment and it happens but what, what you got to say uh, as far as the women go BJ I think he stepped off. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm back. Um, this is me being 100 percent biased. Lady Terps all the way. I don't care about no other teams. I don't care what nobody else doing. I don't care about South Carolina, UConn. Give me Brenda Freeze and the Lady Terps. That's who I'm rolling with. And see, that's where I'm conflicted at. I am very conflicted because I love Brenda Freeze, but I've loved Dawn Staley longer. So then you're not conflicted. Yeah, you're not. But well, I am, but because yeah. I, I love, I love. This, this, is with, this is the guy with 20 favorite all my bays WWE female wrestlers. He's talking about he conflicted. Well, it ain't just you're WWE. I got a couple independents. I got a couple. You always conflicted. I'm really not. But okay. you gotta understand. I love Don Staley as a player. Who? Whether well, it was I'm glad you that one up. Yeah. I loved her in every aspect of the word. Like, I had posters of Don Staley hanging on my wall. Okay. I used to date a girl named Don that actually looked like her for that very reason. Don't tell your wife that, man. I mean, I was 15 years old. You know, I mean, I was 15. This is New York City, baby. This is New York City. We went out a couple times, and, you know, it was cool. I was like, you know you like Dawn Staley. She said, yeah, I kind of figured that's why you went. Yeah, that's it. She was cool with it. She could ball, too. She could ball. But uh, moving right along, <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoy watching Dawn Staley's career. So I'm, but Brenda Freeze, that's home, man. That's home. That's where the conflict is because you want to see if, if, if the Lady Terps bring home a championship. And let's say in, in, in some stroke of genius, the Caps win. Then Caps ain't winning. I, I, I said Caps ain't stroke winning. Of no, 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 no. That's 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 a wing, a prayer, and a multiverse. That's the only way Caps. Mm-mm. But I, I, you know, BJ wouldn't let me have my my title town USA 
uh, my title town USA when the Valor won the what was it Valor Terps Mystics Nationals. He would not let me have it. He would not let me have Title Town USA. No, sir. What are, what are we talking about? What does Shaq say? What does Shaq say all the time? Consistency. When these teams win multiple titles and they establish themselves, because you see the Nationals ain't, ain't even sniff, ain't, they ain't defended, they ain't sniff nothing since that. Yeah. Neither has, neither has the Mystics. And that's true. And the Valor are no longer a squad. <laughs> I mean, so. So if, if you get. If you get back to back with the Mystics, you get another title from the Capitals within that two, three year span. You know what I'm saying? The, the Commanders do something. We know the Wizards ain't doing nothing, uh, absolutely nothing. So that's that's out of the question. But no title count here. Can we throw that in? Throw that in later. Let's throw because I got something to ask you on that. Okay. Uh, next segment. Ed Cooley. Is officially head Hoyer now. He is the new coach on the hill. Um, he was announced uh yesterday as the new coach. Uh, he comes in from Providence, uh, formerly of Fairfield. He led Fairfield to a CIT second round, uh, NIT second round. Uh, then he moved over to Providence and he won uh, NIT quarterfinal. He's taken Providence to one, two, three, four, five straight uh, NCAA tournaments before they went to the NIT in 2018 and 19. And he went to the Sweet 16 with Providence last season. And they lost in the first round this season. I wanted to see how far he could go. His overall record as a coach at Providence is 242 and 153. But he, he wins in the division, 118-99. Uh, now he moves over to the Big East. And my question to you, gentlemen, I know how I feel. His overall record is 334 and 222. My uh, That sounds like um, Craig Esherick, Patrick Ewan, JT3, um, and a couple other coaches' win totals combined. My bad. It's always got to do it. Always got to do it. Can't, can't, can't. Never just let me, just let me, let me be great. That's all. Let me be fucking great. I didn't anyway. say JT Junior. Because you can't. Right. See, I'm, I'm fair. You can't. I mean, that's fair, man. That's fair. Just, you know, what he's saying is fair. It's really not fair because he, he says these things because he wants to get a rise out of me. But anyway, before I answer, let me ask you, gentlemen, uh, with the team that's constructed, now you have the transfer portal. Uh, how well do you think he does in his first campaign next season? Uh, um, I don't know, man. I mean – it's hard. Do they not have the players, or was Patrick Ewing that bad of a coach? That's it's that's how bad things are right now. It's just kind of like when you have a you have an NFL team. Let's let's go with the home team. 
you can't really gauge the offense because you don't have the person behind center. And it's kind of the same thing with Georgetown. You know, they might have a piece, but um, him coming in, I think he got a lot of a lot of things to rework, get his people in, to get his type of players in, and uh, implement his system. You know, I would I would say, based on the success he has, they would probably be a bubble team, maybe a playing team, or you know, get invited at least to the NIT and not just be completely irrelevant and getting dogs in the division and uh, in, uh, in their conference. That's what well, you can't get dogs any worse. You've been dogged the last two years. And, and, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, it can always get worse. 37. Yeah. I mean, it could always get worse. We can get to naming uh, people that award number 40 jerseys in a couple of years. I mean, it, it can always get worse. So, I mean, that's, that's the bar right now. Unfortunately, can you do better than that in your conference? And I think if you, win, um, I, if you win three games in the conference, they might put a bronze statue out out in front of. Um... <laughs> hey, and that's and that's what it's looking like for Georgetown. Like I said, unfortunately, you know, I know they tried to go to the Big John Tree a couple times, um, and you know, it's unfortunate it didn't work out because you know you root for those guys. You know, we grew up on those guys that um, you know the last what however many head coaches that they went through. But it's, it's, you know, we said it, you know, during the season before we knew Pat was going to get fired, it's time, it was time for a change. And it was time to go in a different direction to try to get this program back to where Big John had it. Um, but baby steps. Let's, 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 let's get them. Let's get some, you know, hopefully some players want to come play for them in the transfer portal. And um, it can make a quicker turnaround. But let's just start with getting back to – being relevant in the conference in the Big East. No, I totally agree. And actually, I, I think he has to have one of those Dion speeches. He needs to say, I'm bringing my bags, and they Louie. Like, he got to bring a couple guys with him. I know, um, I think he had a kid at Providence named Bridges that's supposed to be in the, in the portal. And it sounds like that kid's going to end up here um, with, with him. Um, but I thought, to be honest, and and like to take all the troll out of what I've been doing and to be very serious in this moment. I thought Ed was Cooley was the only guy that you could actually like replace and put in this position. And it still feel like it was like an influence from Big John. Because he reminds me the most of a big of a big John. Um he's he he he's an advocate enough where it's not just about getting these kids in, it's about taking care of their futures and making sure they're better men than they are anything else first and foremost before it becomes ball players. Then the second and the third thing that he has that maybe Patrick didn't have is the relationships with some of the grassroots coaches. Um, I would implore you guys to check out. There's an interview on the Medhurst show, Pete Medhurst and um, Chris Russell with this guy, Marcus Washington, who's a real big guy in the, um, in the local area. And he talked about Cooley and he actually talked about Willard in at Maryland and how they can actually make a serious change the next two to three years um, and have a heavy impact on kids staying in the area because they have such great relationships with um, some of the grassroots coaches in this area. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, there was a move to get one of the guys like um, uh, Mike Jones or somebody else like that on the staff so that way we can keep that local um 
that local AAU tree um, coming through the area because a lot of teams do that. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to when um, Jalen Rose went to Michigan and his his AAU coach or his coach was on the bench. You know, it's not a new practice, but it's something that I think Georgetown needs to try to adapt and adopt and figure out how they can make that work for them going forward. And see, you talk about this practice of getting with the AAU coaches and getting through the, you know, creating a pipeline. And I always said that's the one thing Gary Williams didn't do at Maryland is he didn't create that pipeline because he didn't want to work with the he AAU coaches. He used to work with the AAU coaches. Absolutely. Uh, then, you know, you had when, – when he refused to do that, you know, they had the ban on Baltimore. Baltimore wouldn't send none of their players to Maryland. Joe Smith uh, – not Joe Smith. Um, God, who am I thinking of? Keith Booth. Keith Booth was a local kid. He wound up going. You know, they wound up getting Joe okay. Smith. Huh? Booth was a Baltimore kid. Yeah, and he was one of the ones that actually broke that barrier to come down from Baltimore and go to UMD. You know, Big John always had Baltimore. Wingate. Uh, uh, Reggie, Reggie. Reggie, Reggie Williams. Yeah, both of them. Two players from the greatest high school basketball team of all time. The Dunbar Poets up in Baltimore with Muggsy Bogues and Reggie Lewis. Guys went, what, 29-1 and one, one season, won the state, and then 30-0 the next season. Like the, the dudes was like that, but I always said, Hey, if you have to get a coach on, you know, a you coach on your staff and, but it's not about getting these kids to play for you. It's about getting them in school, getting them an education because once basketball ends, they have to have something after that. And if you can give them something after that, because it brings it right back to Big John. He used to always give the speech with the with the deflated basketball, and say that's just that's what it is. You what it, what, I, what was what is it called? I think it's called seven pounds of air. I think that's what it's called. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. And he he gave that speech that you got to have something after basketball. If we get back to those fundamentals, not just at Georgetown, not just at Maryland, but everywhere. You're going to find out these kids are going to be more successful. But on the grassroots level, you have to teach these kids that they have to be coachable. The parents have to stay out of it. That's number one. <laughs> the parents have to stay out of it. Oh, uh, you live in a pipe dream, bro. Oh, yeah, I know I am. I know I am. But the parents have to stay out of it so these kids can be coachable. You can't make your, your your child, oh, he's supposed to be the star. My child should be starting. And I use this all the time. I'm thinking about my child's brand. Baby, your son's barely averaging four points. You're talking about a brand. We had that conversation before. But, yeah. I mean, aside from that, um, it's, it's, it's something the coach – I heard a coach say this the other day. He said that um, in today's NCAA, you went from recruiting a kid from his high school career to the day he signed, but now with the transfer portal, you have to recruit this kid every day of the week from the day he steps on campus to make sure he will stay with your program. That's crazy. I can't. You can't do that. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you can't do that, but that's that makes the coaching job tough. And I think you kind of see that 
some of the old dogs have kind of decided to go home and take their ball with them. Some of the coach K's and, and those guys. And that's part of the reason is because now you can't coach the way you want to coach. And I think, honestly, I think that was Pat's biggest problem was Pat was trying to coach as a hard nosed guy, but these kids don't know Pat. These kids didn't grow up on Pat. These kids don't have this great fondness for Patrick Ewing and Hoya Paranoia. They just read about it. And that's so many moons ago for them that it doesn't have it doesn't have context in their lives. So when you get a Mac McClung, um, you get these guys in here, you get Wahad. Shit, Wahad went from Georgetown to Maryland back to Georgetown. How does that happen? So I mean, it's just little things that when you start thinking about it, it's just like this, this, it, it's not, it shouldn't happen, but it's just a crazy thing where we're at a crazy place in basketball and in sports on a college level that I think they waited too long to get to this point that now they've created chaos and they want to live in their chaos uh, for the next couple of years. And, and coaches going on to cry. You're going to hear Nick crying about everybody else getting kids that he used to get and how everybody can buy kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Allegedly, everybody gets Dodge charges. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, um, those things will become more prominent. And, and that's going to be the issue. You know, Dirk, Eric Dickerson, I'll never forget Trans Am with the T-top. You know, they gave that to his grandmother. Stop it. You know, the crazy thing is the same coaches are complaining and crying and the same coaches that wanted to market corner. Okay. The same same coaches that took their ball and went home had to market corner because they had the, the TV time. They could prompt, you know, they, they were the big program. But the way the, the, the landscape has changed over the last couple of years kind of makes it even. You know, because you can get your NIL deal at Georgetown. You don't have to go to Duke. You don't have to go to Alabama to play football. You can go to uh, um, NC State. Uh, you can go to a HBCU and get your NIL deal. You, you know, you can go to these different places. you got different options now, and that's what it should be about. But like Midnight Rider said, you're going to have your, your coaches crying and complaining because – Guess what? You're not getting the same. You don't have a third string five star recruit <laughs> sitting on your bench. You know, they playing for San Diego State now. They they somewhere else. You mm-hmm. know? So and here's the thing. Two things. Number one, I wish they bring it back to the old biggies where it was it was actually true biggies, and you got that package on. Tuesday night or something like that, or you got that package on Thursday night, Big something, Monday. huh? It was Big Monday. Big Monday. Big Monday is where we put the conference on the map. Big and Monday, because at that time you had that was the early '80s, and that's when you had, you know, you had the Villanovas, the Providence, the St. Johns, the mm-hmm. Georgetown. Like it was almost like eight of the Pittsburgh, because you can't forget sending sending home Jerome. Um, but all that stuff was in that in that mix. And so that was how that conference got shaped. And if you haven't, I know you've seen it, um, but the 30 for 30 on the Big East. Right like for the Big the East. Yeah. Yeah, how it started and everything. And here's my thing. I grew up watching Georgetown basketball in the late 80s, early 90s. So I had an affinity for watching Syracuse and, and, and Jim Beheim 
and I watched him and I watched Billy Owens and, 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 and Dirk Coleman. And I hated Billy Owens because Billy Owens used to torch Georgetown with uh, Matumbo and, and, and Morning. You know, I remember, you know, Fox used to, well, that was, wasn't Fox and it was WTTG Channel 5 used to have their little montage about the big guy, Othella Harrington. You know? Incredible shrinking big guy. Yeah. But the big O, he he was another one. And another big man that, that doesn't get mentioned when you talk about Georgetown, big man. But if they go back to that, but everything's so controlled by money now. Oh, come join our conference. We can give you $70 million right here over four years. It's always been about money, man. Yeah, but no, it's really the about money. The difference was the difference was you had John, you had Cheney, you had the old guys during the '80s with the Prop 48 and all that stuff that they kind of held and played like the guards of of this system for a minute, and then you know you couldn't steer wrong Dean Smith and those guys and Bobby Knight. So you had guys that helped control the, the narrative in that time frame, and then now we're at a point where Nobody's really controlling the narrative because no one's distinctive enough. Um, and it's not from a, a control standpoint. It's from a standpoint that they've lost the control. And the biggest mistake that the basketball conferences made was chasing the football money. Once they chase the football money, they weaken, they weaken their basketball conferences. I agree with that. I agree with that. And my final thing, uh, you made a comment earlier. So I decided to sit here and do a little digging. Craig Eshrick's time in Georgetown, 103 and 74. Oh, okay. Uh, JT3, his time as a head coach all the all together was uh 346 and 193. So he comes out better than Ed Cooley at this point. And his conference record was 131 and 94. Please stop playing. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Uh, Moving on to our final topic. Magic Johnson has entered the chat as part of the group with Josh Harris to buy the commanders. Uh, even if it's the offseason. Left hand up. Who are we? The commanders. I am so happy about that. Uh, think about this. Magic Johnson, whenever he takes over ownership of a team, when he took over ownership of the Dodgers, what was it, two years before the Dodgers? And the Dodgers were, um, was it, it was either one or two years. They won a championship. He took over one of the soccer teams. They won a championship. Hey man, get get magic two years of ownership, man. I don't know what he does, but he 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 sprinkles a little magic on it, and you get success. Uh, well, I hope he is a part of this ownership group. Let's not get too overzealous, because the Dodgers in that space made the best move you can make, and that's picking up Tampa Bay's guy, um, Andrew Fre um, Freeland, as their GM, and then Freeland basically Freeland showed you at Tampa Bay he could. With a postage stamp budget, he can find you talent. And then all of a sudden now I'm in L.A. and, and I get, I got a free-for-all. And L.A.'s just been laying in talent. They got guys, layers and layers. They've got – they traded us K-Bear Ruiz 
and they've got like three other catches that are still in the top 100 prospects. Like they've found a way to lay a talent. Is that part magic? Maybe. I don't want to discard that at all. I don't want to take away from that. But like, I think the bigger key or the biggest key is who's the guy that this team decides, hey, this is my guy that I'm building a program around. He's going to make all the decisions. He's picking the head coach. He's picking this. And maybe these conversations have been had because behind closed doors, you know, when some of these people come in and walk the building, they got to tell you, hey, you know, I don't like this structure. You know, we're probably going to make some changes structurally. If you want to still be head coach here, you got to be okay with it. You know, so some of these conversations have happened with Ron, but and they won't say it, but it's happened. You know, something's going to be there, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if something happens once this goes final, that maybe after the draft, you see certain guys leave the program because they're not going to be in the future plans. These owners are going to come in. You, you, I've put six, whether it's 5.3, 6.1s, whatever it is, I'm going to have my signature on this program and on this franchise going forward. And, and I love Magic being involved in this because Magic has the cachet and the charisma to get us certain things. And for all you people that hold out hope for RFK or building on RFK site, that's your guy right there. That's yeah, that's your Moses. Yeah, yeah. Magic's your Moses to get you to the promised land. The only difference is he going to see it when, when it comes to fruition. But Magic Johnson is the guy that can get you back into D.C. It ain't going to be nobody else. Yeah, Magic Johnson, KG, could sweet talk you out of your underpants. That's that's who you want. And, and the Midnight Riders, right. But the, here's the thing. Whoever takes over as owner, as the commanders, whether, you know, they have Magic Johnson with them, whether it's Jay-Z, it doesn't matter. Here's the, the first thing you have to address, and it's a big red alarm with this franchise, is there was report cards that came out for the franchise. You have to go through here because – for, the, for the, the, the foreseeable future, FedEx Field is your home. You have to go in there and figure out how you can get this to – you're not going to get it first first class, but you got to at least get it to average. It's not even average right now for when we're talking about player things, amenities for them, amenities for the people. That is a, it's a whole mess. It's not just you have to find real football people a real GM to, to make decisions. You have to make your, you know, you, of course you have to put your stamp on, but it's so many other things, you know, of course a new, new stadium is going to fix a lot of this, but it's so many other things that you have to deal with walking into that door. And, and one thing about what Magic Johnson knows how to do is win. What Magic Johnson knows is first class because he played with the Lakers. He knows what first class is supposed to be like. So if he walks in that building and they, they ask him opinion on things, things gonna change in a skip. You know, because you got it, it don't matter he hasn't played football. He's been in a professional locker room, a professional setting. He knows how things are supposed to be, how they're supposed to go, what the atmosphere is supposed to be like. You know what I'm saying? So you get somebody like that in there with a, a willing owner um that's willing to spend money and you you know. I mean, what what is the 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 the, the date on a, a a new commander stadium? Is it what twenty? We talking about twenty eight? 
27? 27. Okay, so you still, for the next three seasons, three, four seasons, you got to make FedEx something. So that's, that's, that's a major issue for me right there. Whoever takes this over has to figure out how to make FedEx feel not laughable, not at all about That's what they have to do. Then they have to figure out that rest of the re- the rest of that report card. Why are these players giving a you know? Why are we weren't, weren't the Commanders the thirty second rated team on that on that report card? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 not that's not acceptable. You know what I'm saying for for a team that maybe if you get a if you got an Aaron Rodgers here could probably go to an NFC Championship because they have a really really great defense and some offensive weapons. So you got to figure that out and and go from there but i like the magic you know that he's on a, a part of you know uh, a bid um would love to see him come down here he already has i mean you know he has ties in several city but he had ties here with the magic johnson theater so he already familiar with he already been on the ground around here so and in the starbucks yeah and the starbucks yep so i think i just think that attitude like ben said you talking about magic johnson you know He'll have that whole DC panel smiling, cheesing. They'd be ready to, to to go to RFK themselves and start disassembling and rebuilding that thing. Agreed. So, we'll see. And so, so I couldn't have. I think the only thing that would have made that easier is if, like, you decided to call me John Stockton and I called you Carmelo because you ran right into the pick and roll and the setup that I was looking for. So. Today's biggest topic on a lot of the shows was if you were the owner, what would your first two things be? And B, you you just knocked the two things I said out of the box. I said the first two things this this ownership group has to do when they walk in this door is day one has to be the the, the experience. You have to create an experience and an atmosphere um, that that's second to none, like that gets you back to the days where. We were one of the premier franchises in this league. And 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 maybe I was too young that I didn't know that the French fries and all that might not have been on point when it was at RFK, but they tasted damn good. So so what I'm so you gotta get back to that point where the fans A understand and enjoy the concessions first and foremost. They gotta they gotta have the experience. You know, I think one of the things I always tell people about Nats Park was Nats Park. It's just about the experience. Nats Park did you – know, they gave my son one of the best first game baseball experiences ever, and I can never repay anybody in that building with any amount of cash for what they did. Now, the only bad thing is my son just isn't a big sportsman. But if he was, that would have been a seminal moment. That day right there would have stuck with him for the rest of his life. Unfortunately, he liked Pokemon. He liked Dragon Ball Z. So he ain't got those that moment. That ain't sitting there. That's way in the back of his mind. But the experience is first and foremost. Second is the facilities. Like, they got two turf fields at Ashburn that haven't been used since God knows when. And, like, you got to put that in the building plans and expand that building and make that an NFL building. It's a damn shame when you got kids coming in from Clemson, Alabama, Auburn, um, shit, even Maryland. They got better um, practice facilities than what you got as a pro team. That's their problem. Their problem is their facilities have not been invested in. Um, it took for Shanahan to get here 
for us to even get a bubble. Like you should, you should have had a bubble. Like these are things that, for some reason, this group didn't take into account, and or not this group, but this guy didn't take into account. And like we're sitting here on the back end of it, instead of paying yourself ten million, if you're throwing that ten million just into the building, you get better facilities. It's just, it's just amazing to me that like what I grew up watching. And like what we see is is where it is right now in this moment and in this space. And the first two things that gotta happen. I don't care about Major Tutty. I don't even care about the team name. You gotta give us an experience. I'm 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 gonna say something. I'm I'm gonna say a few things. Number one, you said something about the fields at Redskin Park. Those are your four outdoor fields in Redskin Park. Right. You got a turf field and three grass fields. And they look like they ain't been, it's nothing been done to two of those grass fields since Gibbs 1.0. Uh, they normally use the bubble. And it, that's cool. However, we sub, I, I, do I want to leave Redskin Park? No, but Redskin Park needs a, is it even still called Redskin Park? It's still called Redskin no, Park. No, it's like MedStar Health. Facility or something like that. Okay, Redskin Park. I don't want to leave Redskin Park because it, it's home. It's been home since what 71, 70, 71? Cool. You gotta get and, out of that. You gotta get past yeah. that out of that because yeah, absolutely. The kicker, but see, here's the biggest problem that I personally feel is gonna be the biggest obstacle is the players are so used to being in Ashburn out in Virginia with the good schools. That you, if you put this in PG County and put the facility in PG County, unless PG upgrade their schools, these guys are not gonna want to be sending their kids to to the PG County middle schools and the high schools. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be another issue for this whole stadium process where we build the facilities, and that no one's really thinking about is like where where these kids gonna go to school. Well, I mean, it almost makes Virginia the leading candidate just because a lot of these guys are already out there and they're comfortable with the school systems. True. And And just think, you got these guys that live out there and their home games. Guess where they got to drive for their home games? They got to get back. You busting up up to the the Gaylord at the National Harbor, laying there for the night and then going to your game. And then, then all of a sudden, you got a two, three hour drive to go home because you got to get out of the park. Yep. And what's crazy is back in the day when they were playing at RFK, they actually used to stay at the airport out at Dulles. That it was a hotel out there, and they would go there to RFK. When is the difference? Winning is the difference. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now, something that one of y'all said. You talk about RFK, and They've been come 2027, it'll be 30 years at FedEx Field. 30 flipping years, man. They spent them if they make it to 2027, they'll have spent almost as much time at FedEx Field as they did at RFK. It's crazy. And that's just a time perspective that I wanted to put in there. However, you say the two things that I would do, I would secure a land deal. 
and and try to get me a new stadium. Because this stadium you got stuff, land. Yeah, you got land down in Virginia. See, no, you got land nothing. in Virginia, and don't forget you got the um the PG two part up here. So what see PG two part. So there's they have land around PG. Um, Oxen Hill yeah. area. No, 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 no. Up by um, so adjacent to where they are in FedEx, there's still some land up there, like with the old PG Mall. I mean, not PG. Is it PG Mall? Landover. Landover Mall. Where they got some land up there that they still own. So the the kicker is going to be, and this is why I think also part of this process is going a little bit slower. Is these guys are trying to figure out and and strategize. Like once we get this, where do we go? Do we st- do we go and do this? Um, Landover project. Do we stay in Virginia and do a Virginia project? Um, or do we go into DC and yes, the first three or four years we'll we'll steal the world. You know what I'm saying? We'll win over Rome, we'll win the mob, but will that be enough to make us sustainable? Here's the thing. You go to Virginia and put a stadium in Virginia. You're killing your commute. You're, you're, you're killing your diehards because it, 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 it's like, I don't know if you ever heard the story that Dwayne Thomas told. He said, I like playing in the Cotton Bowl. When we moved into Texas Stadium, it went from being this rah-rah atmosphere to, oh, oh bravo, good play. That's what you're going to get out in out in, uh, in Ashburn. You're not going to get that, even though you really don't get it now, but you're Everybody not going to get that diehard fan. You you don't get that now, and, it, really? and that's dope. We you can't put that blame on the commanders. That's no, every that's every NFL team, and that's every NBA team. You don't get your your diehards can't afford these tickets. Exactly, and when you put it out, and let me ask you a question. But you got to go what? even beyond that, though, KG. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm building no, up. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm gonna help you all because I know I think I know where you're going. But when I go home. I hate driving my son home after risking his home game because I run into, especially when I'm on certain sides of the beltway, you know, I run into that whole Virginia traffic leaving the stadium. Yeah, it's a nightmare on, on sometimes. So, like, I think people for the eight to 10 days that they're going to be going out of Virginia, they're actually kind of over gauging the, the process and, 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 and it's overestimating, I should say, the process because a lot of the people that's going to be going out there are the people already in Virginia. Exactly. So they're going to so, be taking back roads or whatever. So you're not really going to have this this massive traffic jam. No, but you no that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's okay, not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I apologize. what about Joe DeFan? Joe DeFan that live up there on, on, in Congress Heights. Southeast, you know, Joe DeFan got a house up there. He got to go all the way to Ashburn because he got season tickets. What about that guy? Could care less. That's not. That's that. And that that that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's not an NFL thing. That's an America thing. Yeah, right, right, right. They don't care about the the little people. And if you pay attention, if you pay attention to where that traffic is going when it leaves FedEx Field. It's going into the good part of Montgomery County and it's going to good parts of Virginia. That's true. Okay? And, and, and you and don't get me wrong, you got your locals to go. And the crazy thing is, those people don't want the stadium in their backyard at all. And all right. that's my second point. You can't put another stadium in Landover. 
Okay, because you 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 muffed the punt the first time because when they built FedEx Field, you thinking, all right, we got FedEx Field here. You put some you know some some restaurants and sports bars over in Landover Mall. You know that revitalized the mall, so you can go from pre-gaming at the mall, walk over to the stadium, or you can tailgate and everything. You can't even do none of that. Any of the things that we used to do as football fans, you can't even do at FedEx anymore. You can't tailgate. You can't walk up to the stadium from the mall because the mall is gone. Don't put so, another so stadium was, in this area. So part of that was miscalculation. Part of that was the dance slider effect. So if you, I don't know when you stopped or started going, but early on, they had the commuter buses that would take fans mm-hmm. from from wherever and bring them over to the stadium. Five then months. they made people walk, and then I mean, then they charged you at one point. Then they made you walk. But that was all post cook. Yeah. And then it was all had a pissed off metro. So, 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 metro so, in like, the bus. Right. So the problem was like Dan alienated so many people from the beginning once he came and took over that he didn't care about the fan experience. And that's what hurt this program. And I think that's why, like when we talk, I mean, there's a generation or two generations of kids that will never be commanders fans because a in that stretch, they failed to have a quarterback or a star player that that like took their hearts and made them want to root for this franchise. And then the other part is what we kind of talking about now is that experience has been so bad that, or we've been priced out of that experience so much that we can't we can't get back in right now, and that's a struggle. And see, that's what this fan did. This that's what this team has represented for years. It's an everyday, everyday Joe's team. This is not, you know, the, 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 the CEO that runs Giant can go to a, a Redskin game, Commanders game, football team game, and sit with the people, and you never know your CEO because he's a fan. He comes in there dressed like a fan. You move that team to Ashburn, you're going to change the whole atmosphere. You're going to change the complexion. There, there's not going to be anything that represents – the fandom of this team. Now, I'm not saying, of course, I want them to move to D.C. Because D.C. is the logical option, especially if you redevelop RFK. I did a whole article and I wrote an article. I did a show on it. You're sitting on top of a metro station. You're bringing jobs to the city. Three. Huh? I think you're sitting on top of three. Stadium, Stadium Armory. And then you still got Potomac Yard that's not too far away. Potomac Avenue. Yeah, it's not. And so you're sitting on top of a metro station. You can that brings money to metro, that brings jobs to DC. But now you got those new people that live in that area now. Oh, I don't want a stadium in my backyard. Well, this is where the stadium was always been. And and it's convenient. Where it is now. Yeah, you made a, 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 a metro station specifically for the stadium. BJ can attest it. Is that damn walk from Morgan Boulevard up to the stadium? It's a killer. It's a, killer. <laughs> it's a goddamn killer. Like, you got to immediately get in the stadium and find something to eat. <laughs> you got to find, look, I, I just got to sit down for a little bit. I, I need well, something so sweet. That's, that's where I think, and, and I, I'm curious, because a person... That I would love to see make a um 
a Washington comeback is Brian LaFamina. Um, somebody that I thought was putting this in the right direction, and he was actually showing that he cared about the fan experience. When he got here, the only problem was he worked for a petty owner and he worked for a petty GM who wanted to have the credit and the shine for themselves mm-hmm. instead of like actually giving this guy credit or giving this guy the leash to do the job that he was came here to do. Who that sound and like? I think that's huh? Who that sound like? Oh, I mean, it is what it is. It's, just, it's been Snyder the whole time. No, no, no. But who acting that petty and wanting the credit for something that you had nothing to do with, that you hired the guy to do a job and you want the credit, who that sound like? Who that sound like? It sounds like who he tries to be, who he's been trying to be for the last 20 some odd years. It oh, sounds like fucking Jerry Jones. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you there, but, but I think like the whole goal for me right now is they got to, they got to figure something up and, and um, B Mitch says this all the time. Like you got to give people, you got to make people feel like they're getting something, even though they ain't getting nothing. And you know, I, don't, I don't know how that works. You and know how to do that? Concessions, you know, whatever you got to do. I mean, Eric Marker is, 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 is somebody that the Nats use, but maybe you got to get a little bit better with the people that you entrust with these situations. Um, I don't know. I don't know the, the correct fix, but I know it's got to get better. Yeah. And you got to make it so that the people coming out aren't feeling stressed. Like the beauty of RFK wasn't the fact that RFK was easy to get into. RFK, we were winning, first and foremost. B, you could catch the Metro to RFK. If you couldn't catch the Metro, you was catching the cab. Because there's so many stories of people saying, oh, what we used to do is we'd meet in Eastern Market, I mean, somewhere, get brunch, and then come to the stadium. Well, imagine those people going down to Ted's Bulletin, those people going over to Yardburg by um, Potomac Avenue, those people going all these different places getting something to eat and then taking a taxi or Uber over the Fed. I mean, over the, um, the new RFK. That's, that's the experience. Like the experience is the experience from here on out. And, and that's going to be the key, to this whole process. I think one of the other things that, uh, kill is killing the fan experience of them trying to make these mega 80, 90,000, hundred seat state, hundred thousand seat stadiums. You need to make if you make another RFK, it need to be forty or fifty thousand. Well, RFK was fifty six. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. You make it. You you of course you're gonna have the, all the amenities and stuff, and you have your standing pavilion where you can you know be be at the stadium and be somewhere near, but you know have nice big TVs. But it needs to be forty five. It, it needs to be forty five, about forty forty five thousand at the most. And you make it, you, of course, you got to get back to winning on the field, but you make it to where there is a list again. Not not a fake dance, not a creative list, but a list where people dying to get into this stadium, that this is the ticket, you know, but it all starts on the field, but he can't win on the field if it's dysfunctional from the top. So it's just, it's, it's just you, you get the new owner in here and you have to erase 30 years of nonsense. You have to erase 30 years of nonsense and a losing mentality and a bad feel, a bad stadium experience, loyal fans that have completely cut this team off and said, hey, I'll never watch them again. I'm tired. Uh, Midnight Rider said it earlier, the people that dance not in, uh, alienated, charging the walk, charging to this, 
losing the Metro buses. That wasn't Dan Snyder. That was one of these dumbass fans that felt like Metro should have been charging public. They could they can't charge what they want to charge to work uh, the stadium. So that's a whole nother uh, story. But it's a lot. It's a lot for a new owner to come in and take over. Uh, the crazy thing is you have pieces on the football team that it actually makes a noise if you get a quarterback and, you know, may, maybe, you know, make a couple other moves. It's, you're you're not that far away. It's like I think there are a couple of steps behind the Jets. The Jets is probably the most complete football team in the NFL that does not have a quarterback. That team is loaded. They get the right quarterback. They're coming out the AFC. Mark my words. They get the right quarterback. They're coming out the AFC. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is that guy because he likes to choke a lot, but I think the commanders are right behind them. And they have to figure out, you know, that that portion of it as far as quarterback. But it's it's just like you you get this team and it's like it's like you take over a team on Madden and you go through everything's red. You owe you owe money, you got salary cap penalties, you got players disgruntled wanting trades, you got your your concessions are bad, everything's bad. Everything's bad. <laughs> you hit it, and you you have to damn near go seventeen and zero to get it back in the green. But it's just mm-hmm. gonna, it's going to be a process. This this isn't going to be done over the night. But if you get the right owner, and like I said, Magic Johnson will be man. I'm telling you, he would. You talking about a boost, a kick in the ass of morale for this fan base? You see Magic Johnson at a press a commander's press conference. Yeah, that's if something can inject, if something can turn around the fans, the loyal fans over the years that turned their back on this team for obvious reasons, for good reasons, that would be it. I think that will that's what you need. And the NFL, trust me, this ain't a fair process. The NFL is looking at that. The NFL is looking at that, and they know what where this commander's franchise is. As far as morale, as far as the fans, as far as all the scandals and stuff Dan Snyder's been in, in the record team, so they're looking at that. They're gonna they're gonna put the best situation together for them. It's not gonna be a fair bid. You're not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be back and forth. They already probably know who's gonna own the damn team. I agree. I think that's why Josh Harris is the name that we keep hearing the most, is because. He's done this fan experience. Um, I think the Sixers are moving into a new building in 2031. Um, he's a guy that has experience with ownership. Then you throw in Magic, a guy that is the PR guy that can make people love you, whatever what's going on. Um, I think that's all part of the process. Uh, and, and and for this team, something has to happen right away. And you guys, we keep talking about uh, the process, the experience, and everything else. But I think there's a sm- there's a group. Um, there's probably about I'm not gonna say twenty thousand people. I'm gonna say there's it, say there's thirty percent of the fan base that goes to games. There's about twenty five to thirty percent that just refuse to give Dan Snyder their money. And I think the second this team gets sold. And you don't see Dan Snyder's name on this building or on this program. Um, no matter what you felt about the name Commanders, I think I think there's going to be an onslaught and a barrage 
of people buying Commanders gear because now they they feel comfortable supporting their home team when they didn't before when this guy they felt was a liar was was a womanizer or or and all these things are allegedly. So let me go back and say that with the capper is like these are all things that that turn people away from this franchise. So I think like one thing that we're going to miss is that oh God um, that there's a group in this fan base that's going to just come back just because Dan is gone. So that's you and when that you get that bump naturally, the on the bump that you're really now concentrating on. And what everybody should be having their fingers crossed and hoping for is whether that number is 30 to 40 or 25 to 30. But whatever that number of fan base that got turned off because the Redskins name is no longer on the side of the helmet. That's the group you got to figure out. And and I I would love for somebody to be smart enough to have focus groups and have conversations because you got to let them know that you can't get the name back. And can't. That's, that's and as much as I saying. love, I, as much as we love the name, we can't get it back. So I need you to get to a spot where you're comfortable with us not being called the Redskins. Um, and I don't know. If, I don't even think you should go with a name change. Like uh, somebody was talking about Red Wolves. My cousins, Eric's talking about Red Wolves, and and Stadium Howl and all that. That's nice, but now you're on your fourth name in six years. And like now you're buying more gear and you're doing more stuff. And then at what point do the fans feel like you're abusing them because now you got them changing gear again? And you to me, you have two or three of the best sets of uniforms in the league. As much as that black and gold don't look right, you win 10 games two, three years, or three out of four years, that black and gold gonna look real good. That that, that 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 cranberry and white, if you want to call it cranberry and white, it's gonna look real good. That that I don't know, red and gold or burgundy and gold, whatever you want to call it, it's gonna look real good. Like I think fans were so obnoxious about all of that stuff where they wanted like at one point, I think I felt bad for Dan Snyder's team because fans were like, We want this, we want a connection to the past, we don't want a complete overall. We don't want to feel like an expansion team. But then we had, when when stuff got put in place, it was like, oh, why you do that? Because now it's too close to what we used to have. Oh, we got a fight song. It sounds just like the old fight song. We shouldn't have done that. But you asked for them to keep a fight song. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jokers had selective amnesia in the process. You know, oh, we want the colors to be the same. Well, all they did was modernize the colors. And if you're a Jersey person like me, jerseys are great. If you're a traditionist that like that burgundy and gold, then you're not going to feel this. Like, it's so many things in this process that I think, like, the fans just abused their power. And they made the experience worse than it really should have been because they didn't get exactly what they want. So for everybody that wanted Red Wolves, they, they shitted on the name Commanders because they wanted Red Wolves. Like we just didn't have an open mind in this process. I agree. And one one thing, I, my bad, KG. One thing okay. that you know, I said this, you know, during the season when this when the team start losing, and you know, and I said it last season too, and I probably said the season before. You can make amends to your fans. You can go out into your local community, not to Ashburn, not to Potomac, 
You can go to Landover. You can go to Capitol Heights. You can go to Northeast. You can go Southeast. Here are tickets to the game. Free. Come to the game. You can, It's ways you can win your fans back. It's ways you can win your fans back. I never – I thought they once they changed the name to the football team, I would have left it there. I would never have changed it back. And, I'm, I, Ben, I see you shaking your head. But, like you said, me, a, a team name change is traumatic. It's a traumatic process for your fans. The other thing they can do, if they do change the name, which I would recommend, you can be like, what if whoever bought Commander's Gear, you bring it to the team store, we, we swap you out for free. That's that's one way. You, you can do it. These people had the money to do it. You know, if you agree like Dan Snyder, you don't do those things. Okay? But um, it's, it's ways to win the fan base back. And I'm hoping that whoever comes in with the next regime with ownership is it knows that where this team was, the glory is of this team as one of the top NFL franchises. Now we're not talking about, you know, at, at their best, they were mid tier, you know, Detroit Lions type stuff. We're not talking about that. We talk and, and it's no, not, I'm not trying to like shit on the Detroit Lions fans, but that franchise has never been as high as the commanders have. They haven't been as high as Buffalo has, and Buffalo lost four Super Bowls. That that you know what I'm saying? This was a cream de la creme franchise at one point, and it's now bottom of the league and everything. And that's a lot to come in and try to mop up. Like you don't even like you're mopping the, the ocean at this point. You know, and you're wringing the bucket out in the ocean and just going back to mopping the ocean. And you got to come in and you got to get, you got to buy 90,000 sponge daddy. Uh, uh, what are those things called? Sponge. sponge. Yeah, say it again. Come on, flex seal. Fle- you need some flex seal. You need the sponge daddies. You need to soak up this water. You need a whole bunch of stuff. It's just, it's just a bad situation. Whoever comes in got to understand they got a lot of damage to control to do. And the crazy thing is, it's not just with the fans. It's not just with the players, but the, with the media also. With the media also. The, the media has been has had, had to feel the wrath of the Dan Snyder uh, 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 regime, the, the Dan Snyder tenure. So it's a, you got to repair you got repair relationships everywhere. So I, I, and I know that's going to happen. I know it is. And I know I that's that the easiest job with the media. Yeah, that's the easiest job. Hey, it would be easy for that. They invite us in there. I'd be, I'd be, man, I'd be commanders. I have commander <laughs> toenail paint on. <laughs> oh, so, so, so you said a great thing. You said something about, you know, if you did a name change and you wore commander's gear, um, we'd exchange your gear out. That's, that's something the Baltimore Ravens did. What was that? The year that Ray Rice. Had his situation, yes. And they said, you yes. come in, you trade in your Ray Rice jersey, get whatever jersey you want. Um, that's forward thinking. That's that's this is I'm taking care of my fan base. This is I got a product, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to stand by, beside it, you know what I'm saying? My man Frank Lucas said it's Pepsi, it's a brand, and I stand by it. That's what we need, whoever this next guy is to do and come in here with is. I'm standing by a brand, you know, we're, we're, we're a service brand. We're taking care of our people, you know, whatever you want to do or whatever we need to get you need to do to get, 
to get you back is what we're going to do. Because if we don't do that, it's going to be an issue. Like, you got to do a whole lot of hand-holding, kissing babies. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's got to be a lot of those moments. And you can't be scared of those moments because if you are, then you're not going to win this fan base back. It's like Proximo told um, my, my guy, you know what I'm saying? Maximus. He said the only way you can do it is to win back Rome. And, and, Eric, and Eric, I, I agree, but I don't agree because... No, he's absolutely right. That's he. But let me tell you why I don't agree. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree, but I don't agree because the bar was so high, and you have like like we us three know, and, and and hardcore fans listening. This team is a part of your heartbeat, and when you see that 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 decline, that decline just keeps going down. It just breaks you. And you have people, and Ben made a good point earlier, that won't support the team because Snyder owns it. But you also have a percentage of people that will never support this team again because of what they've been through with this team in the last 10, 15 years. You have that also. You have that also. It, it, it is, it's dangerous. I think that's why it's dangerous that the bar is so low, just like we talked about Georgetown. You, you know, you show me this this gold carrot. We've been following this gold carrot in the 80s to now eating out of the trash. That's what basically what you're doing with watching Georgetown. It's basically what you're doing following the commanders. You're eating out the trash now. When you were you were in the restaurant laughing at the people outside in the rain, begging for food. <laughs> that was that was this franchise at one point inside the restaurant at the white table being served seven course meals. Getting your feet massaged underneath the table. You got a waiter massaging your, your one massaging your feet, one sucking your toes, and you eating Whoa. good. You, yeah, you eating good. Now, and, and, and y'all y'all in the restaurant laughing at the homeless people outside. And now y'all are the homeless people looking in, watching them people get their their toes sucked on while they eating steak tatar. <laughs> it's this is it's a flip, it's a bad flip. It's a mm, bad flip mm, because mm. a lot of these fans have resent. A lot of Burgundy and Gold fans have a lot of resentment, and I don't even think an ownership change is going to help that. <laughs> and Eric say it's been twenty five plus years since his team's heyday. At this point, we'll take change any way we can get it. New ownership will have a few years of leeway to make the difference, and I, I think it will be a few years before they turn on them. It's a three it to five year window that this team has to maximize. And those max those things that they maximize are going to be fan experience. It's going to be getting the stadium deal in place, and then all the parts going to be. It's literally going to be what you guys have talked about. It's taking care of the fans. It's showing the fans that hey, you know what? This was done this way before we got here. We're going to try to take care of you. And, and if you see a program where buses start coming into um, FedEx and you're taking fa fans from the metro to the thing then that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be a yeah. study. And I've seen one or two, th I've seen two things. I've seen a group of guys say, you know, you got to kick out everybody that was here during the Snyder era and start anew. But I think if you give the people that are here um, the opportunity just to be who they are, I think you're going to have a better um, opportunity because you've got good people here. Their problem is they've always been stymied by Snyder 
and his fix it after the fact. Whether it was Sean Taylor's um, um, urinal cer um, ceremony, whether it was the Dick Sporting Goods ceremony, whatever it is that they had, Dick those were all things trying to patch band-aids on the gunshot wound. And that's where the issue comes in. It's this this is going to become different the second they show you that they have a, a, a modicum of compassion. Yeah. And uh Eric said day one with uh day one, watch how many fans come back just because that's gonna happen. Uh he also says keep them will be the challenge they face. Yeah, and I get it. I get it, but one thing you said, and both of y'all have said it, you got to listen to the fan base. That's what people don't understand. You got to, you put together, when you're running a company and you have a consumer, you have to listen to your consumer. Who's consuming your product the most? This is who I need to listen to. Because this group of fans say, you know, well, we had a bad experience. And I said this the last show we were talking about uh, FedEx and, yeah. and, and, and things. On Madden, you gotta listen to you gotta listen to the consumer. Oh well, I don't like the price of potato chips because it seems a little high. Adjust it. Me personally, hey, bring a golden skillet in the FedEx field. I guarantee you, you'll sell more food from golden skillet. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm just a small percent. You got other guys. You got other women, men that want other things. You have to listen to your fan base. But. If they don't listen to the fan base, we're going to be right back where we started at. Right back. So, we got to wrap this thing up. Final thoughts, gentlemen. I know you said you had something, Midnight Rider. Well, we kind of just took care of it. Because <laughs> my question was, you know, it was going to be, what, like, what's the one thing this, this team has to do to get people back in the building? Um... And we kind of discussed this in, in our process, but I really feel like there's uh, um, there's a window that this team is going to have to operate in, where they're going to have to just understand that this we're we're recovering, we're fixing. We gotta we gotta put band aids here, we gotta throw a cast on here, you gotta give this person a boot, and 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 when you embrace that. That's the difference. The other thing I want to see this ownership group embrace is talking. Like there's okay. like one thing I give Bashadi credit about is is Bashadi will at the end of the season he'll have the end of year press conference. He'll talk to the fan base, and then the next time you hear from him is at the end of the next season. I'm not asking you to go out here and be on Grant and Danny every week and and talk to Russell and Madhurst every two weeks. And, and be on the Craig Hoffman show. Like, I don't need you to run the circuit. I just need you to have that one time where you address us as a whole, tell us where it's going to, what's going to ha happen. And then after that, the GM does the talking during the offseason. The head coach does, does the talking during the regular season. And we're good to go. I would love to see That's Ron how Rivera have. I, I would love to see Ron, see Ron Rivera have what? Have his have his own you know show on Fridays like they used to when he first got here. They still do a they do a show, but it's on um that NC NBC Sports Watchman. Nah, he still does I, a coach's show. It's nah, he, not on NBC. 
Now here's what I want to change because so so I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you have this after this. This is my last topic, my last point. My my alma mater, Archbishop Carroll, we won the DC state championship or whatever. And you know who recognized them? The Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens had a day or had something during halftime where they recognized that team. Guess who didn't recognize them? Washington. The Washington Commanders. That's the problem. Washington has to start taking back what's in their community, what's in their fan base, because um, what they've done is because they've been so based out of Ashburn or whatever, they only recognize the Virginia schools. They don't recognize the Maryland and the Virginia, I mean, the D.C. part. And that's the way you're losing kids. You're losing kids in PG County. You know what I'm saying? You go into if you go into an Exxon in PG, depending on how far out in PG you go, it's a lot of purple and gold and black. And you gotta start taking some of that territory back if you're gonna have or sustain what you want as a fan base. I and I think that's the narrow mindedness of who we had in place, is they didn't care about that because they thought, oh, the Commonwealth. And we're going to build a stadium in the Commonwealth because of Bruce. And Bruce wasn't getting it done. Bruce was too busy drinking Coors Light. <laughs> Allegedly. You said, you said something earlier about getting a – I think it was either you or BJ about getting a real GM. So we're, we're not fans of yeah. Martin Mayhew? No. 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 Absolutely not. I'm sorry. I – if, if I'm if, sorry, I'm, I need see. Go ahead, BJ. No, because we want to say my bad. My bad. If like I said, man, if I'm the new owner, I take everybody's hand, and when they look at their hand and hand, I'm gonna have pink paint on my hand. When they look at their hand after they shake my hand, they look down, be like, "What does this mean?" Leave. <laughs> That's what it means. Leave. Get out. Nice meeting you. Get out. And I'm gonna have my assistant. With a, a paintbrush, I'm gonna, like dip it again and, and and rub it across my hand again, and I'm gonna just go down the line. Nice to meet you. See your hand. Goodbye. Peace. Get out. And and it's it's real talk. Like this is this is a dysfunctional franchise. In the front office, is dysfunctional. Dan Snyder or not? And look, I know Dan Snyder has a really really bad cloud over a lot of people. A lot of people are puppets, but you got to get out of that because you don't know how damaged these people are. You don't know how, if they're going to break out of that shell. I don't want to take that chance. I need now, this is a, what are you done for me now business? The quicker we, we've seen these franchises turn around in two seasons, the end of the season, you can start telling, you know, oh man, it's the whole different unit, this whole different team. So once that Dan Snyder cloud leaves, and you gotta you gotta get rid of unfortunately for the, the people, it's not fair to them because of the situation they're in. But yeah, they gotta get their start somewhere else. And I need people in here that are ready to go, ready to make a change, ready to operate under some sanity and go. Everybody has to go. I, I don't I just I don't see one person in that front office that stays. And it's not because of them. I want to make that perfectly clear. It's not because of them. It's because of who they were attached to. They have to go. <laughs> and Eric Wheeler say, uh, Ben, what did I tell you? New ownership should install a traditional 
football hierarchy owner president gm coach uh no one person holds multiple positions agreed 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 i can't, I can't argue i cannot argue uh nah so i need my i don't care what my team president is but i need my gm to have like a couple pimples still on his face from puberty because he's a math genius he went to princeton he can crunch numbers like i want this dude to break this joint down to the like i need that up and coming guy that's gonna get team that's gonna um take you to the next level like i don't care about the the president is gonna be a figurehead to a certain extent because he's gonna let the, the gm do his job the president hand, handles the business side doesn't handle the football right side. right right exactly and, and and no offense to jason wright but it's been real homie damn i i wouldn't even shake his hand i would just paint him <laughs> like like like, Nickel, like like the nickelodeon slime drop i'd be like jason stand right here and it would just drop pink paint on him like get out God, yeah, damn. I can't do, I can't hit, do him like hit, that, but just because the Arnold Schwarzenegger, get out. <laughs> Only reason I can't do that is because I think he was handcuffed a whole bunch in his in his time. So you gotta you gotta let him walk out with some kind of like keeping his head up. I don't and know I what agree. the Lewis Riddick. Uh, maybe because I maybe I, I'm being I, I'm just being an asshole at this point. Because like okay. I said, that Dan, that Dan Snyder cloud is real, and a lot of people are there. They're walking on eggshells, and underneath the eggshells are forty-five caliber bullets ready to go off. So Shit. you know, it, you once you, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be a whole different atmosphere at Commanders Post Park, whatever it's called. Um, but why Warzone. are we so confident, in Lewis Reddick? Mm. Well, and, and, and that's something nice I, I heard Schaefer was here. Mm, I don't know. And, and, and Ben, what you said about getting a young GM, you know, I don't, I don't agree with that. You don't necessarily have to have the young GM. If you could get a football mind in here, that's what, you, that's what that guy that can crunch numbers becomes an assistant GM because he might not be ready to make those football moves, but those numbers are so important because you get these guys just like baseball that crunch these numbers and put these teams together. And all of a sudden, these analytics, you win it, you win in football games on the field. But so you know, you gotta know where to look for those guys at. So Buffalo, you got what? Eric Schoen? Or is it somebody else that's your GM? Beans Maybe is, GM. In, is he in, is your your GM or the Giants? Yeah, Sean is the Giants GM. Okay, so see, that's what I'm I'm looking for a guy that's been behind the guy because Sean got hired because he was behind your guy in Buffalo. Yep, exactly. Like, I, I want that guy. I want see see the problem that this franchise has had is they don't go to the successful places and hire somebody else. They'll go outside of the building, they'll go outside of the organization, outside of other organizations, and find somebody. I want to find the guy that um is sitting at the right hand. Like, like if Jesus is a savior. Who was his right hand? Whoever's at his right hand, that's who I want. Because I want him to be the second coming. Like I want to get as close to that as possible. And, and, and I'm dead serious, man. We need that type of thought process. And that's the one beauty I think we get from the, the – yeah, but Schaefer also may have some other things. So 
don't forget, he got let go in the midst of that whole Snyder Bruja. Had so, his hands some things. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Oh, he had some pictures of some things, but I ain't gonna go there allegedly. Um, allegedly. So that's just the only reason why I don't think Schaefer's the guy to come back. I think you gotta go brand new. Well, we need to put a pen in this because we've hit the hour and 30 mark. This will be something we can come back and we'll start the show off on Thursday with hierarchy and structure for the new Washington commanders. And you know what? Here's a homework assignment. Come back on Thursday. Structure the front office the way that you would. I knew you were going to say that. Because I, I... the way I would structure it is totally different, but I mean, hey, I'm cool. Uh, uh, I, my structure is totally different. I'm, I'm, I know. Well, no, my, I'll say that content, content. <laughs> oh man, well. So you, you Darvish has entered the World Baseball Classic. Um, I think it's three-one Japan. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldsmith, and Nolan Arenado. The next up. And I think it's still 3-1 Japan. Damn. And I think it's the eighth inning. I'm waiting for them to move this um, this graphic. Yep, eighth inning. Oh, Lord. It's getting late. 3-1, no outs. Arenado's up at bat. He's the four hitter. Going against you, Darvish. Let's oh, go, boy. USA. Well, until next time on Thursday... For the boss, BJ, the Midnight Rider, I'm the big guy, KG. Can't say we don't do no overtime, but damn it, we did it. We are out of here. Remember to like, subscribe, smash that button, man. All platforms. Make it do the do, baby.